Welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. Mary puts the shepherd in a headlock. That's in there, right? I remember that. Classic, classic Christmas time. Um, so this is a series we're doing called Remember the Holidays, and uh, we're in the third week, so we're talking about remembering God's power. And before I get into that, I want to say that how you start your day will determine how you finish it in many ways. So if you start the day in the world, reading the news and the chaos, and that's kind of where our heart will be. So if you start your day in the Word with, with power, with wisdom, that's maybe how you'll end the day. So I thought I'd suggest a few apps that I, have, I use. Um, one is called Uversion. And it's the most popular um, Bible app in the world. It's been downloaded over a billion times. Um, some of you probably have it, but it's called Uversion. And the other one, yeah, you can go, it's free. And the other one I've been using is called uh, Lectio 365. And that one's actually I like it even better. It's, um, it's very simple. It gives you guided prayers to stop, to pause, to pray, to read these scriptures. It's very, very good. So, um, yeah, Lectio 365. That's from the people at 24-7 Prayer. I, I highly recommend um, you download those. And, uh, and use them all the time, but also during uh, Advent. Um, so we talk about God's power and, and what are the most powerful... I was thinking, what are the most powerful things about the holidays, about Christmas? Like, what, what is it that is just so powerful about the season? I mean, one is, is helping others, right? It's about giving. Um, last Sunday, Wesley Memorial, we uh, did the angel tree and we gave... Uh, dozens of gifts away to children of incarcerated parents. So that's powerful, right? I mean, that's helping, it's blessing, it's, it's being uh, loving to the world. Um, another one is att- attending the 11 o'clock music last week. If you went to the service at 11 a.m., it was tremendous. It was, I had a great seat, too. I mean, <laughs> it was awesome. It was, that was powerful. It was powerful. Um, coming to Christmas Eve services, that's powerful. We're going to have one... 8 o'clock on Christmas Eve, a contemporary service. We invite you to come, bring your family and friends. We have a 5 o'clock love feast and an 11, um, and the, both in the sanctuary. The 8 and the 11 have communion, so we invite you to come that night. So those are powerful nights, uh, experiences. Another is just, I love the wonder of children at Christmas, right? That's powerful for me. And I hope I, I never forget that for myself. I used to feel the same way. Um, just that wonder, there's the picture of the little girl with the snow globe. Uh, just that wonder that kids have. Um, at Christmas time. And there's also visiting, visiting family, right? Just having family come to your house. That's powerful, right? It could be a good powerful. It could also be kind of a bad, bad, bad powerful, right? You've got, you've got Cousin Eddie in your life. I mean, every family's got a Cousin Eddie. Or maybe you are a Cousin Eddie. Then you really need to be at church, so we're glad you're here. Um... Glad you're here. So there's good, powerful. There's also bad, powerful. There's hard, powerful um, during the holidays. So first, you know, for some, this is the first Christmas since um, the diagnosis. Or this is the first Christmas since the deployment. This is the first Christmas since your loved one passed away and there's an empty seat at the table. It's hard. It's hard. It's powerful in a hard way. Troubles don't really recognize the holidays. They don't take time off. So it's important to take to remember God's power because life isn't easy. And 
as a side note, I think in America we have this pressure to make Christmas like perfect. And we get super burned out and stressed on like perfection. And what if, what if we stopped expecting perfect and expect messy and, and find the joy in that and expect it for what it is? But more than ever, we have to remember God's power. And here's a prophecy written by Isaiah 1,600 years before Jesus, Jesus was born. Roughly 1,600 years. Isaiah 9. And Isaiah says, okay, when I'm reading this, be noticing uh, its accuracy about Jesus' life so long before he was even born. I mean, it's more than a coincidence. And also be noticing God's power. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, speaking about where Jesus would live and was born. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. And then verse 6. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, and authority rests upon his shoulders. Authority. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. At Christmas, we remember that he's going to be in charge one day. That God has power. And that his power will never end. His kingdom will never end. The little baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, like, like we say like in uh, Talladega Nights, well, he became big Jesus. They're the same. And his power is endless. At Christmas, we remember this most powerful truth ever, ever. Nothing will trump this. That God has become a man. God has become a baby. The most powerful truth. Larry King, the famous interviewer. Is Larry King still alive? I didn't even bother to research. Remember Larry King from CNN? He was on. I think he's still alive. But Larry King interviewed probably thousands of people at this point. And he was recently asked, if you could interview anybody in the past, who would it be? And he said, without hesitation, I would interview Jesus Christ. And then they went on with the interview. He calls the reporter back later and says, let me clarify what I meant by that. When I said I wanted to interview Jesus, I wanted to ask him, were you born of a virgin? Because if you were born of a virgin, then it changes everything. I mean, Jesus has literally, his power has divided everything. B.C., A.D., not before Common Era. No, no, no. I'm going before Christ. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. God's power exhibited. I mean, think of all the stories in the Bible. Just, we could even go into all of them, of God's power that's shown time and time again. You know, with Moses and the Exodus and David and Goliath, literally Samson, the walls of Jericho, uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And oh yeah, Genesis chapter 1, when God creates everything. Power. Jesus is power. He's God. His power is shown as well. Raising the dead, calming storms, controlling the weather, walking on water, healing, transfiguration. And oh yeah, the resurrection 
if you think you can't overcome this or handle that, we have to remember God's power. Because the God whom we serve has, is all power. And life can be hard, especially during the holidays. Because the real star of Christmas, it's not Joseph, it's not the angels, it's not shepherds, it's not even Mary, as commendable as Mary is. The real star of Christmas is God. God initiated the action toward us, and no power was going to stop God's power. No Herod, no evil, no darkness. God is undefeated. God's power, always present. I was thinking about this recently. My family and I went out to a, a, a local kind of restaurant in Winston-Salem a few months ago. And it's one of those places that whatever you're wearing that day, it's fine. It's like, whatever you have on, let's go. Like it does, it's like going to shop at Walmart. It's like, whatever. Right? I could have on Crocs and pajama pants. I'm good. Right? I could wear a coverall with no t-shirt underneath, which I have seen at this particular establishment. You don't care. You're there for the food. You're right. Just like hole in the wall, whatever. And so we're leaving and this younger mother is coming in with all these kids. I guess they're her children and there's a lot of them. And she's harried and looks tired and they're all over her, yipping at her. And she stops and she looks at them and, 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 and she says, hey, I ain't no superwoman <laughs> to the kids. And I thought, you know what? I ain't no superwoman either. And I, I really ain't no superman. We need to remember God's power. That we're weak. But then God's, in our weakness, God shows his strength. And when we, sh we remember his power, it should cause us to worship. Cause us to give credit where credit is due. Mary, as we'll read later, does that. It reminds me of a story of, a, of an atheist who was walking in the woods one day. And the atheist was admiring all the beautiful accidents that evolution had created. What majestic trees, he said. Oh, what a beautiful river. What amazing animals, he said to himself. And as he was walking along the river, he heard a rustling in the bushes behind him. And out comes a seven-foot grizzly bear. And he, and he did the one thing I heard you're not supposed to do, which is run away. Which I don't, which I don't know what I would do if I saw a seven-foot grizzly bear. But he turns and he runs away. And as he looks, the grizzly is closing in. He starts to run faster. Somehow he speeds up. Tears are coming down his eyes. The bear is closing in. His heart is pounding and he trips and falls to the ground. He rolls and the bear is on top of him. In an instant, the atheist cries, Oh God, help me! Time stops. The bear freezes. The forest is silent. Even the river stops moving. And a bright light shines down upon the man. A voice comes out of the sky. You deny my existence and power for all these years. You teach others that I don't exist. And even credit creation to a cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I going to count you now as a believer? The atheist looked into the light and said, I would feel like a hypocrite to become a Christian after all these years, but there is a bear on top of me. So, perhaps you could make the bear a Christian. Very well, said the voice. 
the light goes out, the river runs, the animals and the sounds of the forest resume, that bear drops his paws and says, Lord, for this food which I'm about to receive, <laughs> I'm truly thankful. Truly thankful. Bless this mess. Well, I would like to think that the bear then turned the other cheek and walked away. But that wasn't in the story I got off the internet. So, But acknowledging God's power, it's a strength. It's not a crutch. Acknowledging God's power is simply acknowledging things for as they are. As it says in the book of Psalms, the fool says in his heart there is no God. Because at the root of, of, of refusing to acknowledge God's power, at the root of it, it's rooted in arrogance and, and, and pride. There's so much misplaced credit today. We're, not, we're even afraid to tell people we're, we're praying for them. People will just say, oh, I'm, I'm thinking of you. I'm sending you my thoughts. Like, what is that? How do I do, what do I have, ESP? You know, just say what you mean. I'm praying for you. Or even pray for them right there. You know, we cease to acknowledge the greatness, the power of God. And if we do that, where does the credit eventually go? It really comes back to us, ultimately. We, we say, if we, if we don't credit God's power, we'll say it was luck, it was the universe, Oprah, I don't know. When we encounter the power of God, we should in turn magnify the Lord. Because if we don't, we maybe end up taking credit ourselves. And in the passage today, Mary is overcome with the power of God. And she sings this song called the Magnificat. Mary doesn't just say, what luck. I have an immaculately conceived baby. No. She says, the Lord has done it. She gives credit where credit is due. Now, with my experience with pregnant women, they don't really feel like jumping for joy or being joyful, especially the last few months. It's hard. And I'm sure Mary's pregnancy was not easy either. But her attitude was, God, you have done this. You have given me this life, the Son of God, and I magnify you. She has this attitude of gratitude. And when we say God is great in response to God's power, we're really acknowledging a fundamental truth of reality. You see it on Palm Sunday when Jesus is riding in on the donkey. And the, the, the religious people say, oh, teacher, tell your disciples to shut up. They can't praise you as God. And, and Jesus says, well, if they don't, the stones will cry out. The very ground will cry out. They're simply joining in with the song of worship that already is going on. Or even in Psalm chapter 9, the stars continually pour forth their praise. And all of creation is giving God glory. I mean, when the birds are singing, what are they really doing? I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Even on a fallen world like our own, we hear this acknowledgement of God's power if we're actually listening. And, and, the, and we graciously getting invited to join in. And Mary feels that joy. She feels the blessing of that. And we hear her response in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 46. A lot of this was beautifully sung by Zacchaeus earlier. It really set this up well, so that was really, really great. Hear these words. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I will stop there. 
Um, when we think of the word magnify, we think of like a magnifying glass and something tiny. But let's be reminded the word magnify means you're making large something. She's saying, I, my soul is making large the Lord. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown the strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Interestingly enough, when Mary is singing this song, we don't really know what the song sounded like, but she's echoing 1 Samuel when Hannah sings about the birth of her, of her son. And so Mary definitely knew 1 Samuel, and you see these parallels through the passages if you go back and read them. So you're, you're really tapping into a very Hebrew um, narrative there when she's singing the song. But the, the, the greatness of Mary's story in this of Mary in this story is her measure of surrender. It's the measure of, in which she's willing to surrender herself. Because go back in verse 38, you'll see when Mary says this to an angel. I, I don't know if I can even speak to an angel. But she says, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. I mean, she's completely an open book. She's completely surrendering everything she's got and just saying, whatever your will is, Lord, I will do it. And she's a young girl. She's probably 15, 16 years old maybe. Super young. It's through her surrender that God shows his power. Instead of thinking she has power over God, she remembers the power of God. And she feels the blessing of being included in that. And God uses her, in, obviously, in mighty ways that just change the world forever. The, um, the Salvation Army has been in the news the past few weeks where Chick-fil-A uh, pulled money from the Salvation Have you heard about this? They pulled money from the Salvation Army, about a million dollars. They said, we're not going to give you money anymore. Because Chick-fil-A wants to uh, give money that support hunger, homelessness, and education. So they pulled money from an organization that fights hunger, homelessness, and education. See, the Salvation Army reflects some of the best of our Methodist heritage. It really does, because it was founded by a Methodist minister in London in 1865. And now it serves over 23 million Americans with 7,500 locations, 3.5 million volunteers, and it's in 130 countries. I want to read you a story about William Booth, who founded the Salvation Army, and hear about this measure of surrender and power, and the power that's been exhibited through something like the Salvation Army for so long. When, uh, when a pastor was in London near the end of William Booth's life, he visited William Booth and had a chance to sit with him. And he listened reverently to Booth as he spoke about the trials and conflicts of starting a ministry like the Salvation Army. Then the, the pastor with him asked if the general could disclose the secret for his power and success. Because clearly around the world people were knowing something was going on with this organization. Its growth was just so um, just huge. And the pastor said that Booth hesitated for a second. And he saw tears come to Booth's eyes and come down his cheeks and he said, I will tell you the secret of the power behind what has happened. 
He said, God has had all there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, men with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth there was. And if there is anything of power in the Salvation Army today, it is because God has all the adoration of my heart and the power of my will and the influence of my life. The pastor with Booth went away from that meeting and he summarized it perfectly where he said, I realize this fundamental truth about this man. The greatness of a person's power is their measure of surrender. That surrender is the, the, the channel and the vessel through which the power of God can move. And surrender is a good segue into what is possibly the greatest example of God's power ever that's at work in the world today. And that is what we would call the second birth, or the new birth of the Holy Spirit. Being born from above of the Spirit, making us into new children of God. This, to me, is the most wondrous aspect of God's power that I cannot understand, but I've experienced it myself in my own life. That God can raise the dead in us and make us new creations. And out of that response to God's power is worship. And that's what you see Mary do, and many people do throughout the centuries. I've never shared this in this church yet, but when I was 20 years old, I was getting ready to serve with a Christian ministry called Carolina Cross Connection. And while I loved church, I grew up in church, I believed in God, I was deeply unhappy. I was very um, restless. And I dabbled with partying and all that sort of stuff for quite a while. It didn't satisfy, like a lot of people do. But yeah, you're thinking, weren't you going to go work for a ministry? And I was. And as I go into this staff training time to get ready for the summer, it's a home repair ministry. We go and help people. And it's a ministry I'd volunteered with as, as a teenager for years before that. And I loved it. I loved it. And I was drawn to it because I could feel God in it. But I was deeply, uh, just I had no peace in my life. And as you are at that age, a lot of people are. A lot of people say the high school years are the hardest, and they're hard. I think 18 to 25 is actually even harder. Because you're outside the bubble. You're on your own. You're going to make big boy mistakes, big girl mistakes. And it's tough. I remember sitting around that campfire. And these two guys are on stage and they're sharing about the summer coming up. And, and they didn't give an altar call or anything like that. They're just saying, the summer coming up, we're going to serve people. We need to be servants. We're going to help people. And, you, okay, and this summer, it's not about you. It's not what you want to get out of it. And for me, in that moment, I don't know why, it pierced my heart and my soul as I sat around that fire because I realized my whole life to that point was, was all about me. And I was miserable. And then in that moment, I felt that what best can be described as the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, this is your time with me. You need to let me into your life. And I felt a peace flood over me I've never felt, felt before. And it... And it changed my life forever as I sat around that campfire. And as we were finished and we, we went back up to our rooms and I sat in my bunk bed and I pulled out my acoustic guitar and I played like the two worship songs I knew at that time. And I just sat there and that's all I, my only response back to it was just, God, thank you. Thank you. And I think that's what you're seeing here with Mary today. She's saying, thank you. That the greatness of our power, it's not even about our power. It's just about the measure in which you're willing to surrender to God's power. This is a quote from A.W. Tozer, 
a great writer and theologian. He says, anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? When you read about Mary, do you believe that? See, God is not susceptible to time. The God of then is the God of now. Anything is possible, for, as Jesus said, for those who believe. If you even have faith the size of a mustard seed, he said, you can move a mountain. But the measure of surrender is everything. And we have that choice, or we don't, whatever we choose to do. We're going to sing a song here in a second called, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. Maybe you've heard it. And I love the line, joyful and triumphant. That, that, that when I, I sing that, I go, is it me that is the reason for that? No. It's God's power that helps me be joyful. It's God's power that gives you and I triumph and victory. Acknowledging God's power gives us joy. That He is our strength. And the measure of our surrender is the measure of how much God's power can be in your life. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning, and especially thank you for the testimony of Mary and the surrender in what she exhibited so much. And in her faith, God, you say that you will move through our lives. And I pray for anyone here today that's stressed out in the holiday season, and maybe they're ready for a time of surrender. I pray they would know that you will fill them with your peace. I pray that you would fill them with all the good gifts from above and that you would continue to bless and awaken souls here this morning that need encouragement. God, that your power is available to us here and now today by faith. We can, we can claim it. So God, as we sing this song and we maybe bring up some white Christmas gifts to offer, we say thank you, God, as a response of worship back to your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.